And welcome to the Department of Metal Antiquities. Well, we remember what everyone else has forgotten. As always, I am Nick Cameron of Glacier Musical, joined by Duncan Evans of Duncan Evans Music, Moonlow, Waxworm, and whatever he has next that I'm waiting to hear about. Yeah, indeed. Um, so, yeah, how's it going, Nick? I am good. Do you know who that was bringing us in today? Um, I do not. I feel like I should recognize it, but I'm not sure. You completely should recognize that. That was the, the sophomore album of sharks jab it in your eye oh right cool 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 yeah oh i like that i like that actually um yeah so i think i sent you the first album didn't i that is but correct I, yeah and i don't think i've ever heard that second album but yeah okay on our cool. holiday spectacular you sent me a copy of that in the uh, the bundle you sent me and actually i really did enjoy it it's kind of like uh Rod Stewart, but in a way that I really enjoy. Yeah, yeah, totally. Hey, I don't mind a bit of Rod Stewart, you know, um, especially the Jeff Beck group stuff. Yeah, I did. Uh, I picked up a copy of Truth not long ago. Uh, yeah. I saw that for for five bucks at uh, the rec- one of the local record stores. It's been around forever. The record exchange. And I'm like, you know what? That's coming home. Yeah, good album. Very uh, Led Zeppelin esque, and to the point where. Apparently they, they were annoyed that um, Led Zeppelin released Led Zeppelin 1 quite soon after that and, and included one of the same songs, a, a cover of um, the blues song, I think, is it You Shook Me? It's one, one of those ones anyway, um, that was also on, on Truth and, and the fact that the sound was quite similar, they, they were annoyed. Um, but there you go, and then let Jimmy Page said, no, 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 we're not, we're not borrowing from, from uh, that album at all, it's just our own thing, but eh. Who ever could have guessed that Jimmy Page and Jeff Beck would have put out similar records at similar times? I mean, that's well, just, wow, mind-boggling, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Have, having been both, of course, members of the Yardbirds and... Uh, and at all the of same them. time, even. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was Clapton, then, or, yeah, it was Clapton, then Beck, then Page joined on bass for about a week and a half. They were... Uh, a twin guitar band did one song. What was it like 10,000 years before you were born or something like that? And then Jeff Beck quit to go solo. And then Jimmy Page took over and the Yardbirds were clearly the template for Led Zeppelin. Although I will say Led Zeppelin was far better. Yeah, I'm, I've, I haven't listened to that much Yardbirds. The stuff I've heard is kind, kind of poppy blues Blues pop, really, is what, how I describe it. But apparently later on with Jimmy Page, they did start to sound quite Zeppelin-y. And of course, Led Zeppelin themselves, orig- their first tour was actually booked as a Yardbirds tour, and they ended up going out as the New Yardbirds, um, with the, the same lineup as Led Zeppelin, but called the New Yardbirds. Due to um, the most wonderful thing in the music industry, contractual obligations. Exactly, exactly, indeed. Um. Yeah, okay. Well, we got off on a bit of a tangent there, but um, what are we looking at today then, Nick? Well, today we are discussing the second album by the post-Led Zeppelin group, the Rossington Collins Band. Hang on, hang on. Post-Led Zeppelin group. Oh, oh man. Sorry. post Leonard <laughs> Skinner. Well, it was post-Zeppelin too, but that's besides the point. Uh, 
post Leonard Skinner band, the Rossington Collins band. What do you know about them? Okay, well, um, I didn't know much about them until we talked about doing um, this record. In fact, I hadn't heard of the band, I don't think, or maybe I had in the back of my mind. Um, I actually texted my friend a copy of the album, and my friend was a huge Led Zeppelin fan back. Or, I, okay, I'm stuck on this now. He was a huge Leonard Skinner fan back in the day, and his response was, what is that? Yeah. I mean, I used to be a pretty big Leonard Skinner fan. As a teenager, they were one of the bands that, that I got into when I was starting to explore what you what you might call classic rock, hard rock. You know, I was really into Led Zeppelin, and I actually mean Led Zeppelin this time. And then I guess Leonard Skinner were a band right. a bit after that, you know. Um, but I'd never heard of, um, of, of this band or not. Certainly, I don't remember reading about them or anything like that. So what what I do know, though, is that I, I had a little look at um, some of the trivia about this group, and there's a few Leonard Skinner members in the band. So obviously you've got Alan Collins and Gary Rossington, um, two of the guitar players from Leonard Skinner. Um, and then you've also got Billy Powell, who was the keyboard player, piano player from Skinner. He's in this uh, group as well on piano and organ. And you've got Leon Wilkson, who was the later... Um, well, the, the later early period, if that makes sense, um, bass player for Leonard Skinner. So in their first period of existence, um, when they before they, uh, well, before half the band died, sadly, in 1977, um, he was the bass player at the end of that, I believe. And um, what else do I have to say about it? Um, oh, yeah, that's right. We have on vocals, Dale Krantz, um, the woman who quite soon after, um, quite soon after the second album, which is what we're looking at, called This Is The Way, um, she and Gary Rosington became married. Um, and we've also got three guitars in this band, like Leonard Skinner, with the third guitar being played by a guy called Barry Lee Harwood. Um, and he also sings on some of the tracks, sings lead vocals on some tracks, um, and sings with Dale Krantz on some tracks. And... I suppose what I find slightly, what I'd like to know is who plays what, because on, on the Leonard Skinner recordings, I'd, I'd kind of been able to work out who played what by just reading a bit and studying the styles of the different players. I could tell you who was doing what on which track pretty much. On this one, I'm not quite so sure. I'm guessing that Barry Lee Harwood might do more of the slide guitar, because that's what Steve Gaines did the guitar player, yeah. So I'm I'm guessing that that's kind of why they got Barry Lee Harwood in to play a bit of the same role as Steve Gaines, who sadly was one of the members who died in the 1977 plane crash that split the band up. Uh, split the band up. So yeah, now I I guess that that's all I really know. Apart from you know this this band was formed in the aftermath of. Leonard Skinner, um, some of the members wanted to do something else. They didn't want to call it Leonard Skinner at the time, although Leonard Skinner later reformed um, with Ronnie Van Zant's. To me, brother. that's the great irony of this album, mm -hmm. is they didn't, they wanted to create a new, because it was basically all of the surviving members of the plane crash save Artemis Pyle, because for some reason, they just never seemed to get on with Artemis Pyle after that plane crash. I don't Apparently, know. I actually read about that. Apparently, they did want Artemis Pyle to be in the band, but he then had a motorcycle crash, which then 
um, he broke his legs or something, um, or broke one leg, and, and an Artemis pilot basically said, "Look, just don't don't wait for me for another six months or whatever. Just get another drummer." So oh, okay. they, so Barry Lee Howard's friend, um, who I've forgotten the name of now, um, is who they got in. I'll tell you the name in a second if I can just get back to the page on here. Derek Hess. So he was a um, Jacksonville. Um, from Jacksonville, which is where Barry Lee Howard's from, and they they well, played it, um, growing up. Oh, are they are they all from Jacksonville? Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay, fair enough. I, well, I didn't I didn't know that. Thank you. It, but the the great irony of this band is they didn't want to reform Leonard Skinner, and they wanted to do something different, only to completely reform Leonard Skinner five years later. Sure, sure. And yeah, exactly, exactly. I think some people would argue that it was never Leonard Skinner five years later, but yeah. that's neither here nor there. Hang on, I've got I've got to just ask this. So hang on, hang on, hang on. Jacksonville's in Florida. A little skinner, not from Alabama. Have I got I mean is that is this what, what what's going on here? Uh Sweet Home Alabama was a uh what the kids would call 20 years ago a diss track for uh, against Neil Young because apparently Neil Young did a song about the South derogatorily. Called so Southern Leonard Man, Skinner, I know the song, yes, yes. So Leonard Skinner fired back. But Right, now I think I mistakenly believed that they were firing, I did know that, but I mistakenly believed they were firing back because they took it personally being from Alabama, but clearly I'm wrong. The interesting thing about that is they, in Sweet Home Alabama, I would argue they're singing a little bit politely about the governor of Birmingham, uh, whose name escapes me, thankfully, who was a big segregationist. But right before that, they also worked on the George McGovern campaign. So. Well, hang on. No, actually, yes. No, yes. But on that track, Sweet Home Alabama, they say in Birmingham, they love the governor. And then it says, but then it says, boo, boo, boo. So apparently they they didn't like they didn't like this guy. Wait, that's um, what they, that's what it was. Boo, boo, boo. Yeah. So they were like saying in Birmingham they love the governor. Well, we actually don't, but we still don't think you should oh. be everybody from the south just because the governor's a big racist sort of thing. Oh my god! Thank you for that. Thank you. I never knew what that was, and I'm completely showing my ass on this one. So. No, it's all good. And, and apparently, I think that guy, I'm sure he's called, was he called George Wallace? Or did I imagine George that? Wallace, that is his there name. There we go. George Wallace, I, I think he even misinterpreted it himself and tried to use it in one of his campaigns. <laughs> and then and then apparently like found out that, oh, they're saying boo, boo, boo. And someone told him and then promptly stopped using it. I think that's right. I could have got that a bit wrong. You know what? Something I along those lines. I choose to believe that is correct because if you look at Leonard Skinner from that time, again, they worked on the George McGovern campaign. George McGovern is the most left-wing presidential candidate we have ever had in this country. And they didn't go hard right until into the late 90s, early aughts when, uh, when Ronnie was gone. Ronnie. When most, in fact, by then most of the original members were not in Leonard Skinner anymore, right. um, and I saw that I saw them around that time. Actually, I saw them in about oh, probably two thousand and two. I'm guessing around that era, and oh, I was really disappointed. I have to say, um, 
partly because it was in a venue in London, uh, Wembley, the indoor one, Wembley Stadium. There we go, not Arena, Wembley Stadium, which is notorious for having poor sound because mm. of the, just because of the way the building is. But also, oh, it was it was like a kind of caricature of of Lin, of what Linda Skinner should be. You know, they had all the hay bales out in a really theatrical, cheesy way, and they had like. Um, women in um like uh bikinis and i, I want to say they might have been confederate flag bikinis I, I, was gonna, I was actually gonna ask you were they confederate flag bikinis they were either u.s flag or confederate flag but i'm guessing they're probably confederate and it was and then the guitar player there's, there was a, a newer guitar player who was doing all these kind of spins and these choreographed moves which were it was really strange and it, it just it felt like a kind of tribute act they, they were musically competent but it was just so it was like um a theater version of what leonard skinner should be so it, it was like have any real soul to it it was like leonard skinner mania rather than leonard skinner exactly yeah exactly. it's like if you could have a theme park of leonard skinner it would be like that yeah i have never seen leonard skinner and i'm gonna go ahead and thank you for that and say <laughs> yeah there we go I when the my design and I love classic Leonard Skinner up to the plane crash and love them. I have ever since I got over the fact that my my father liked a couple of their tunes. Once I could get over the fact that he liked a couple of them, I, I was fine. And yeah. and if you look back, they didn't they weren't that right wing band. They didn't have the Confederate flag draped over everything. They didn't sing about God and guns. They I mean, of course, there were some, you know, gun things, but it wasn't like guns are so great. It was more, it was closer to Johnny Cash's Don't Bring Your Guns to Town than it was, you know, uh, Neo Leonard Skinner's God and Guns. But Yeah, no, Saturday Night Special was kind of, a, I guess, an anti-gun song. Um, so if any, if anything, and um, yeah, no, and I believe they supported um, Jimmy Carter. Um, I'm sure they did. Carter? Is that the, he, that's, yeah, I got the Jimmy name Carter. right um yeah so yeah no totally they were kind of a progressive a progressive thing you know they liked they liked the south and the culture of it but they weren't into racism and um shooting anyone you don't like right. <laughs> I <guess. laughs> and i can and that's the kind of thing i can get behind i have i recently went to the american south the deep south on a road trip and i have to say i uh, everything you hear about southern hospitality and the beauty of that part of the country is 100% true. There were some things I didn't like, of course, but you know, that's, that's everywhere. I see Confederate flags in my neighborhood where we weren't even part of the Confederacy. So there you go. But moving on from Leonard Skinner a little bit, we are discussing the second and final album by the Roskington Collins Band, or as they could be termed, I think Led Zeppelin part two. I Led were. Zeppelin. <laughs> oh God. Leonard Skinner to part do. I'm going to, from now on, whatever I'm going to say their name, I'm going to hold up my hand where you can see it. And then I'm going <laughs> to stop when you say Leonard Skinner, because I'm not going to get this right. Uh, sure. As this would be called Leonard Skinner part do. And I always like checking out the second album. And I think I've discussed this multiple times, but I like checking out the second album of a side project or a solo project more so than the first one because the first one it's like a debut album and for a band and the debut album is usually the best or among the best because they've had their whole life to write it and now all of a sudden you got to come up with something new and on top of that i had this one on vinyl i don't have the first one i actually came across this in one of my favorite antique malls that is unfortunately closed during the pandemic 
and it was five dollars and i'm like you know what i'm coming home with this i want to hear this yeah no fantastic fantastic um yeah i feel like i'm supposed to say something now <laughs> slightly lost my, my thread but um, that <laughs> that's that's cool that's cool um so yeah so where, where are we at so look this um this album yeah so the second second album so this was 1981 and i, I believe they'd had a hit from the first album hadn't they um or, or so hit on the first album um oh, i forget the name of it now Oh, do, 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 it's do, do. fine. It's fine. I'm looking uh, here we go. Don't misunderstand me. Don't misunderstand yeah. me. Charted in I, late 1980. I haven't heard the first album, so I don't know. I don't know anything about that song or the first one. Uh, I, like I said, I like doing the second albums and on top the second, and I have it on vinyl. And the second albums typically seem to be easier to find rather than the first ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess maybe maybe often the um, first albums are the more classic ones that people want to hold on to. Um, the second ones are perhaps the perhaps often the uh, slightly lackluster follow ups that people uh, give away to the uh, the charity shops or the the thrift stores. Well, how so, many? I don't know. We've done like three or four second albums now. We did the Firm Mean Business. Yeah. And we did Quiet Riot 2, and we did most recently Ace Fraley's Second Sighting. Yeah. And oh, I think I know we did it. Oh, Joe Perry, Joe Perry Project. Yeah. I've got the rock and rolls again. Yeah. And how many of those were better than the first? Oh, uh, yeah, probably none. I'm guessing. Quiet Riot 2. Yes, actually, yeah, that's right, that's right, yeah. I mean, I haven't even heard all the first albums to go with those second albums, but um, yeah. But, so yeah, I, I, what's nice about this is because I have not heard the first one, there's no bias, there's no, it's just whatever this one is, is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, now, um, so there is, I didn't expect this to be great, and um, that's partly because... I don't know. I suppose because I hadn't ever heard of the band, it made me think, you know, why haven't I heard of this band? Surely if it was brilliant and it was members of Lynyrd Skynyrd, I would have at least heard of it. Um, and then I've also looked on the Wikipedia and there was a um, review from the Record Mirror, which I guess was um, from the time because that that, pa that music paper stopped in 1991. And it, it, had, it was a one out of five star review calling it the biggest load of hackneyed bollocks I've heard for a good six months. Um, so the idea of using the word bollocks to describe a Southern rock band gives me a little, gives me a little bit of a chuckle. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, but for whatever reason, that is the review that they've chosen uh, for the Wikipedia page. It's probably the worst oh, review we've got. Um, yeah, so I was thinking, okay, I'm not going to go in with the uh, big expectations. And look, I guess we've got to put this in context as well, though, because you see, this was 1981. So this is post-punk, and especially um, in the UK, things really changed. The way um, music journalists perceived music and wrote about it really changed after punk. And there was... A lot of journalists just wouldn't have had much respect at that time for stuff that sounded like classic rock, stuff that sounded like it could be from the early 70s. Um, exactly. And as as music changes and the, the taste of artists changes, 
and the taste of the fans changed, the taste of the journalists changed too. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. Um, but, you know, maybe sometimes, the, I, I don't know, maybe these things are overstated because the fact is, yes, um, punk did change the state of music in many ways, but actually there was still plenty of people that didn't really like punk and that was still listening to The Who and whatever else. And especially, I think maybe in America more than in the UK, like it didn't maybe change things that much. Like Kiss was still releasing records through all of that. And no, uh, but Kiss really was not popular in America during this time. Okay. Okay. No, fair this enough. Is the, this is the time when Kiss released a previous podcast subject, Music from the Elder. Oh, yes. <laughs> directly before yes. that, they had released Unmasked and they couldn't even, they couldn't even book a tour in America for that album. Yeah. And then you've got uh, Rush. This is when Rush is changing from like super mega progressive into a more synthy based sound. This is this is a real big period of change, I think, in the music industry. Um, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page, along with Jeff Beck, had recently released uh, the Honey Drippers, which came and went nowhere. Yeah. Is Quiet that um, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page of Leonard Skinner, Nick? No, I'm, I'm not, not going to say their name. I'm not, I don't want to confuse myself for later. But uh, Quiet Riot is about to blow up. The, the musical landscape, the musical, t- in, in the sphere of popular music, we, you know, we're seeing the, the gods of the 70s falling off their perches, and we're seeing the, the upstarts from the 80s coming, coming up. Yeah. So, yeah. which makes this a really, if this were, if they had n- named it Skinnered, they might have had a better chance at being remembered than had they tried to name it something else. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. Because, um, yeah, I'm going to, I mean, I guess we'll get into the track by track in a second, but just one thing I'll say about the, the overall nature of the album is that really it doesn't feel like an 80s album there's maybe there's maybe a couple of nods here and there but really this could have been an album from like 1975 or even earlier it it Um, feels like these songs had been written for a long time and that was that was one of the things about scanner as i recall they wrote oceans of songs and they took forever to get them right right these, these very well could have been leftovers yeah absolutely could well have been but yeah judging it from you know um with the the benefit of hindsight you know however many years it is 40 years later um we can separate ourselves from the uh the the culture of the time um and we can just judge the music based on uh on what it is regardless of the context i suppose exactly Um, i like taking the we i like knowing the context but when we do this it's taking it completely out of the context because the context doesn't matter except at the time. Yeah, exactly. All right, so shall we get into the track by track? I am ready. Cool, okay. So track one, we have Gotta Get It Straight. what do you make of this one? I thought it starts off with a great Southern boogie and then Dale Krantz comes in. Oh, and real quick, I, I should have mentioned this before. I've only listened to this record maybe once or twice before this week. So I did not have, I didn't have a whole lot of preconceived anything because it, excuse me, just hadn't done much with it. But um, so it felt like because of that, it felt like I was hearing her for the first time because I probably haven't listened to this in over a year. 
and I've had it for three or four, but I love her voice. Her voice is smoky. It's beautiful. It fits this perfectly. It, she was a great replacement for Ronnie without being one, if that makes sense. And yeah, I think um, to me, she reminds me a bit of Janis Joplin. It's that really yes. gutsy, oh, yeah. soulful, um, but I think she bluesy, is a more accomplished singer uh, sort of voice. Um, yeah, I feel like you might have actually um, paused or disappeared, Nick. I can still hear you. If we are recording the podcast, so I'm going to carry on talking for a minute, and I'm going to see if you return. Um, but anyway, so. Hey, okay, so I'm not quite sure where we got to there because um, the the Zoom meeting crashed. Um, that's how it is when we're recording. That's an interesting one, though, because it, it brought it back up right to the same time. So okay. uh, you were talking about the Janis Joplin vibe and all that. Yeah. For me, she was like Janis, but I felt like she was a more accomplished singer than Janis. Wow. A bit, a bit more control. I love Janis, love her to death. But she was a wildly uncontrolled singer. I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Dale Krantz seemed a little bit more controlled. Oh, and I also, I also really loved the piano solo on this one. And so, the whole the great piano solo. I mean, um, Billy Powell is just brilliant. He really has a knack for that southern bluesy swagger. Um, yeah, great player. Um, Hmm, I think he might have paused again. I think. Yeah, so, yeah, Billy Powell, he's got that feel, um, that so southern boogie, uh, bluesy swagger. Um, I love how cool. English people say boogie. Yeah, we say boogie, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good song, catchy, and I have to say it was a lot stronger than what I was expecting. Um, and it, it has that, it has a bit of that Leonard Skinnerty vibe. It's not as heavy, not that Skinner were ever a really heavy rock band, but slightly veers away from the rock and more towards the southern country blues influenced grooves, I would say. It, it also goes a little bit like AOR. Just, just, yeah. just a little bit. Like they, they dulled it down just a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. But it works on this track. I think it works great. You know, it's yeah, it's not really a heavy rock song at all, but it's a great song and it's got a great feel. And, and Skinner were, I, I wouldn't say a heavy band or a hard band, but they were, they were about 10, 20 percent rougher than you know, your, your average, like Blue Oyster Cult or a, a little ra rowdier, that's probably the way to put it. They were a rowdier band and this didn't have that trademark rowdiness. No, I agree, I agree. But it worked yeah. and that, that's not a complaint. It's just, it. I'm just describing how the song sounds. Yeah, sure. And there's a nice guitar solo as well, which I think might be Gary Rosington, but I'm not quite sure. All the solos on this album are phenomenal. Yeah, for sure. They are. They're great. You know, it's a good band, really, really good bunch of musicians who are just grooving and gelling together. Um, and the song's strong as well. So, you know, great. That's, that's a great point. They were grooving together. It, they coalesced together really well with the new people. 
Yeah, yeah. And look, I think, I think, and, and this, this kind of shines through the whole record, really. Not everybody can do these sorts of grooves, you know. Um, teenagers that pick up the guitar, they might start to learn Freebird and they might even learn the solo from Freebird. But when they play that track in their, in their teenage rock bands, how many of them really have a, a piano player that can really get that southern groove, that really deep groove that you can't quite put your finger on? It's, um, it's how, like when it, it's it's like when somebody you know the, the the old kiss analogy is you know is it still Batman when Michael Keaton's playing it instead of Adam West? Well, it's still Batman, but it's not. It's the same song, but it's not. Yeah, exactly. And and like you know how how many of those bands can have a slight guitar player that can really get that that feel so there's a there's there's a feel here that's quite elusive that not everybody can get that Leonard Skinner clearly had and these guys clearly have as well probably because it's most of Leonard Skinner but you know it's half and half well I guess no five eighths but there's just like Leonard you know they they don't want to be Leonard Skinner but they line up their band exactly like Leonard Skinner minus a couple backup singers yeah so and it there's a running theme on this album for me where they are Leonard Skinner, but they're trying not to be. Yeah. Yeah. I can see what you mean. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's probably my only real knocks on this album is that they were trying to do something different. It was like listening to Def Leppard and slang. They were trying to be different, but they couldn't quite pull it off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. We're going to, we'll come on to, I, I my opinion is kind of like that, but a bit different, but we'll, we'll come on to it in a bit because it will reveal itself as we go through the songs. Um, but yes, yeah, so a track two, um, Tashwana. I think that's how Tashana. you say it. Tashana, right? Okay. So that's a name that means God. Um, I think this track is about Ronnie Van Zant. Um, tribute to Ronnie Van Zant. I didn't listen to that many of the lyrics on this album. I just kind of, I could feel them washing over me, and I thought these, these are pretty generic lyrics. They're fine. There's nothing special about them. But th- th- this one, I just noticed the lyrics that say something like he was a free. They called him a free bird or something. And uh, yeah, so yeah, it's kind of a ballad, slow and tender. It's got a really nice organ part. That again, that that really sort of um, lush, um, nostalgic organ sound that not everybody can get right um not everybody can put it in the right place in the right way um and the vocals um Krantz's vocals are really nice different less aggressive much more folky but it really works for this um for this track and there is a nice guitar solo which I think this time it might be Alan Collins um but I'm kind of guessing here for me it, it's what the first thing I noticed about this song was it's was shades of simple man at the beginning they're they were riffing on the simple man intro and then yeah you know they bring up Freebird and they called him a shooter he fell from the sky so i mean there it's clearly about ronnie while trying not to be about ronnie i, I guess that's the only way i can put it. it i mean it's an absolutely beautiful song and this is this band whether you view them as a new entity or a continuation of Skinnerd, but this is their most progressive moment where it's a full lush song in a way they had never done before. Yeah, yeah. I sure, love sure. it. Yeah, it is a, it's a good song. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So next one, gonna miss it when it's gone. Um, what did you make? Oh, of this real, real quick, going, going back to, 
you know, you were talking about the lyrics and very generic rock lyrics. Yeah, for the most part, that's absolutely true. I did pay attention to them and I really don't have anything to say about them, even though like reading along. So give you an idea. Um, but gonna miss it when it's gone. Um, you know, listening to this one, you know, when I saw the lyrics, saw the, the title, it's like, what the hell is this going to be? But, you know, it's it, it comes off. It's a nice it's got some nice giddy up as I put as I wrote down here it's an upbeat chaser happier tune which is a great way to follow the melancholy ballad and it's an and then what I what I've got here another and another in a long line of great guitar solos it is yeah I, I think it's actually two solos I think one leads right on from the other I think could be I mean if you got three players you got to get them in somehow yeah exactly exactly um yeah so 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 let's um where are we where are we where are we so yeah i thought this was kind of almost like emotional pop or emotional pop rock i thought it reminded me a bit of tom petty um actually obviously female singer different singing style but um but reminded me of that sort of thing um i thought it wasn't the absolute most the absolute best written, most memorable song I've ever heard, um, but but it was well executed. It's got a great feel. The dynamics are good, and some really nice gospel esque backing vocals, which I guess are layers of um, of Krantz, um recorded over each other. So so yeah, not the best song, um, but done with a really cool style. Uh, so apparently, I've had my microphone unplugged for a while. Wonderful. Okay, so it's plugged back in now, so I should sound better. <laughs> okay, yeah, you do sound a bit better. Okay, hey, sweet. I'm having a rough morning. I, I uh, as anybody on social media that follows me knows, I had a bout of food poisoning on Friday, and I am still trying to get it all together, and I'm failing. But um, yeah, so that was fun. Um, it's you know this album so far so good. It's going on really really well, and I hope. There's nothing weird that comes up next to, to, to knock it off its perch. So Cold Pine Box, what do you think? Yeah, so, well, okay, so this is all entirely a cappella. There's all vocals and layers of vocal harmonies in a, a kind of country folk style. So, so it's written by Harwood, but it's in the style of a kind of an old time religious folky song with a, a bit of gospel in there. It, you know, it's supposed to sound like one of those classic traditional American songs about, you know, about mortality and about, um, you know, um, praying to Jesus, that type of thing. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. That might not be exactly what it says, but clearly Pine Box is referring to a coffin, you know. So it's it's one of those. Um, I like it. I, I think it's well written and I think it pulls that style off well. But what I would say is that the way it's executed is maybe a bit too nice. I mean, I, I like that sort of that darker, folky Americana stuff but i like it when it's a bit gritty i don't like it to be too nice and sweet and i thought this was a bit on the sweet side for me i thought had it been an introductory verse it because everything you said is true except for, that i agree except for the part of liking the the folky americana stuff i'm not a big fan of that and had this been an introduction or a single verse or the chorus something other than the whole thing 
I would have enjoyed it much more. And it's, it was just this weird short song in the middle of everything. It's like, it's, it's time to slow it down again. So we're going to do this. And I didn't need you to do that. Yeah, no, fair, fair enough. I mean, I don't mind it being a cappella. I just think they could have made it a bit, um, a little bit grittier, um, especially they could given have the- made it a little bit something. It, yeah, it's it, there's no change. There's there's obviously no change. It's there's no music. It's just vocals. It it just is bland for three minutes. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, abs- absolutely. It doesn't it doesn't change a whole lot. It's pretty much the same layers of vocals. I think it's a few like a couple of layers of um, Barry Lee Harwood and a couple a couple of layers of uh, Dale Krantz, uh, you know, laid up on top of each other. But yeah, it, it doesn't change enough. And either just liked a bit of a nice dark acoustic guitar or something to come in and for it to just be just be delivered in a bit of a grittier way that maybe befits the the subject matter a bit more there's there's literally a million things they could have done to improve that song yeah 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 um okay let's move on so track five which i'm guessing is the first track of side two but i could be wrong nope it's not okay we're still on side one right i'll let you know i'll let you know all right um so this is called fancy ideas um yeah what do you make of this one okay i'm gonna say led zeppelin this time and mean it okay this was the the riff on this song reminded me very much of Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. in a really good way. It's got that Led Zeppelin stomp. It doesn't they for this song they have completely exercised any trace of southern rock, any trace of Leonard Skinner, and it's a good thumper. It doesn't really fit on the album per se, but still a great song. Yeah, you see, for me, I yeah, oh, I know, def- I know that, I know that disagreement voice. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it feels like yeah, they're trying to be more like a heavy rock band here. Yeah, I, I agree that the Led Zeppelin thing is there. For me, it doesn't quite work because the production still feels a bit lightweight for that, and like the drums are played quite softly, and and that works for the rest of the material. But it's you know someone like Artemis Pyle in Skinner would have really been cracking the drums a little bit harder on a track like this, I think. Whereas this guy just keeps it a bit restrained, yet the guitars are kind of going jump, 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 and it doesn't it doesn't sit quite right for me. Um, I re- there's this one riff that I do like where it does go a little bit more bluesy, Southern Rocky, and it's a really catchy, cool riff. Um, but yeah, no, for, for me, I think this is actually, if anything, where it kind of falls down. I think actually stick with the slightly lighter, bluesy, country-influenced Southern Rock um, and don't don't try and be a heavy Southern Rock band on this record because I think that's that. those are the bits where it doesn't work as well for me. Mm, well, agree to disagree. But that closes <laughs> out side, side one. So dropping on side two, we now get to Don't Stop Me Now. And this was the first song for me that really sounded like Leonard Skinner. It was the first, all of a sudden everything they had been trying to exercise comes to the top and really, really loved it. And I thought it was a great opener for side two. And that, that's one of the things about this album that hasn't really been mentioned, but they were really, really good at constructing this album in, in terms of an emotional ride. Yeah. I, you know what I think? I think it's a quite a good song. I think it's got a nice slide guitar on it. Um, I suppose my thing was I found it perhaps, uh, how can I put it, almost a little bit too jolly 
um, that made it feel a little bit throwaway. Um, I don't know. I think this is where my my own sort of prejudice or opinion about just what I like comes into it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a decent, feel-good, upbeat song. Um, for me, yeah, it was just a little bit too. I say, I suppose, poppy. Maybe that's maybe that's the phrase I'm looking for. And I know I said the last one was too rocky, and now I'm saying this one's too poppy. But I, I feel oh. like there's a there's a nice there's a sweet spot, and this is this is like the opposite side of that sweet spot for them from the last song. A little bit too jolly, a little bit too radio friendly um song that you'd hear in the background and think yeah great fine you know okay but not not maybe very deep but i don't know maybe that's one just of, me one of the things i've noticed and whenever we go on an album like this the the second the second release of a new project there's always a little bit of digging for a hit there's always yeah. some bowling for dollars and you know what that might be them doing a little bit a little bit of bowling for dollars as it were yeah, if any track is, I think it probably is. Um, yeah, okay. Well, next one seems like every day. Um, so this one is like steady driving southern rock and um, with a nice guitar tone, that really nice um, southern rock, clean guitar tone. Um, re really good. I like it a lot. Um, I thought this was possibly the most Leonard Skinner desk so far, actually. Uh, I didn't think so, and I'll explain why. Wow. Okay. No. Interesting. I mean, it was and um, it wasn't. Okay. Okay. Um, some great vocals from Krantz, double track vocals, um, some nice guitar solos. Yeah. Just, just a good, decent driving Southern rock song. Liked it. Um, I called it a swamp shuffle. It starts off very nostalgic. The whole side of this first of this album is a, the second side is a more nostalgic side than the first one. And it's, but it's nostalgic for something that never really was. And this this song borders on psychedelic for me. It's it's psychedelic, missing the wah wah, missing the the swirling Leslie speakers. And what makes it very much not Skinnered for me is it feels a little bit like Jefferson Airplane. Right. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. I I guess I can see what you mean, especially that I guess that that double tracked voice. And stuff probably gives you know there's there's things about this song that are very much leonard skinnard and things that about this song that are very much not leonard skinnard so whatever it is it is but i enjoyed it yeah no me too me too okay so track eight i'm free today so this was another curveball um what did you think of this one completely bland dale should have sung it it would have been better wow this is really this is interesting because I, I feel like we've got a similar overall opinion of this album, but our individual opinions about the tracks are often totally opposite. Um, we, we're going to hear what we're going to hear. You're not going to hear yeah. what I hear, and I'm not going to hear what you hear. I really, really grew to love Dale's singing. And when she's not there, it's like, nah, what are we doing? Yeah, this is Harwood on vocals. Well... I thought his vocals worked better. Oh, yeah, because what we didn't say was on, on the rock track um, a couple of tracks ago, um, whenever it was, Fancy Ideas, that was Harwood singing. And, um, and that was another of my criticisms of that. I didn't think his voice was quite strong enough to do the whole gritty rock thing. But, so when he sings on the, so on the first song that's too rock, he's not singing rock enough. He's singing too poppy on the song that's too rock. And now... <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I I, I like no his idea vocal. Where you're coming from on this one? I, no, on. fair enough. I liked his vocal on this one. I thought it worked. <laughs> I, I thought this was good. Um, basically, I thought it worked because it was bluesier. Because this this song is like an acoustic song. There's, there's an acoustic guitar intro, then you get this resonator guitar that comes in, then you've got a mandolin. And I thought it was like a more Southern version of um, Led Zeppelin's acoustic stuff. Uh, that kind of folky feel. And I like this, you know? And I thought his vocals worked great on this, better than the rock song. Okay. <laughs> next track. Okay, well, next track is called Next Phone Call. That is a dumb title. <laughs> yeah, so this one, well, actually, I did pick up on a few of the lyrics, actually. So I think this was about, I think this is about um, tragedy and accidents and, you know, having hearing phone calls, getting phone calls about bad news, basically. So she's saying, like, oh, the next phone call, it could be me or it could be you, all, all this stuff. So I guess these people had dealt with a lot of tragedy and um, that's kind of what it was about. It's amazing how much tragedy this group of people has suffered through. And, you know, there's the plane crash and then there's um, Collins ended up um, becoming paralyzed a few years after this. And I mean, you know, Artemis Pyle has the, the motorcycle accident before this. I mean, there's so much. So, yeah, I, I can understand that. I actually didn't pay any attention to the lyrics around this time because it was I, I can't pay attention to lyrics for a whole album. I'm sorry. No, sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, there's there's a Skinner desk rock riff in this, I think, which I liked. Um, Agreed. And and that, that was something I noticed too. as a class, more classic riffs, and the classic riff. I mean, the classic riffs are better because that's what those guys are really good at. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was a catchy chorus, nice organ solo, nice guitar solo, and a pretty good, a pretty good driving southern rock song. Um, I still thought it felt a little bit weaker than it should production-wise, similar to what I thought about the uh, whatever it was called, um, a few a few tracks ago, fancy ideas. Um, but yeah, pretty no, pretty good song. You know, when you talk about the production, realistically speaking, what kind of budget do you think they were given? Probably not a big one. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, no, for sure, for sure. I know they produced it themselves. They had an engineer, but they, they, the band accredited as, um, as the producers. So and you know what? Ninety nine times out of a hundred, a band cannot self produce. I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, well, I, I, you know, next phone call. You know, classic, classic, you know, classic guitar riffs. Dale singing again, singing really well, and it's it's just a great mid tempo rocker. It's nothing. You know, it's a great backside. It's a great, you know, middle of side two song. Yeah. So the, the last track um, means nothing to you. For me, this song is what country music should have always been. It's, it's a memories of a future past, a, a thing that never was, but could have, but could have been amazing. And it's, you know. Yeah. It's, it's Skinner trying it's these guys who are Leonard, the, the heart, the you know, the heart and soul of Leonard Skinner, trying so hard to not be Leonard Skinner. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah, I can, I can see that. Um, yeah, so you've got an electric slide guitar. Um, this this cool riff goes from the, the slide guitar on its own, then the full band comes in, then back to the guitar on its own, then back to the band. Got a nice little interchange there. Um, but yeah, it's very country style. It's got that whole doom. 
doom, 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 um, bass going on. Um, really nice piano, that whole honky tonk thing that, um, that, he, that he does so well, Billy Powell. And it, the, the track builds in a really satisfying way for me. It just keeps moving to the next section and it kind of puts a smile on your face each time, whether it's they bring some extra percussion in that just lifts it or it just really crescendos with uh, with Krantz's bluesy singing over the top of a, a band that are building and building. Um, yeah, just, yeah, really good song and strong ending to the records. Um, and I, I guess for me, that song really epitomises what I think this record does best, which is don't try and be heavy rock, stick with like country rock, country rock, southern rock, blues, um, you know, decent melodies, catchy choruses, guitar solos and all that, but don't bother putting the hard rock riffs in there. That's, yeah. It, it, I, I thought it was a great closer to the record. It was a great, you know, and just kind of, you know, moving into the sum up on this, it's important to really point out how many different styles of music these people play really well. And, you know, you, when you're saying, Joe, just stick to what you are, country, country rock, honky-tonk, blues. I mean, that's like five things that they can do. You're like, stick to those things you do well and you're like rattling off these genres of music. Don't do these, the hard rock. And I mean, it, it's just funny how, and then, you know, we didn't really talk about the solos much but there is not a bad solo on this record and there are bunches of them. It yeah. never, and it's apart from Tishana, it never felt like this song, this album was forced or, you know, stealing from Skinner or any, anything like that. Not, not forced for Tishana, but not like taking little, not, not using the Leonard Skinner. They weren't using the Leonard Skinner tropes. They weren't, even though deep down, I know they wanted to, they weren't. And it's still an amazing, I, I think it's truly an amazing record. It's one of the best Southern rock records I've ever heard. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think this is a good album. I think it's a solid album. Um, I don't, I don't rate it quite as highly as, as you do. Um, and I think it's just for the reasons I've already said, I, I think um, they could have cut out a couple of those more hard rock tracks maybe, and just replaced them with some more, um, some, some tracks that fit in with the whole country rock type of groove a bit more. But, um, but yeah, look, like you're talking about the solos, they all just absolutely flow. And when you're just listening to this band play, it's it feels effortless. It feels like they are absolutely in, in each other's pockets. And um, yeah, like you say, nothing's forced. It's very natural and great players. And it's that it's that thing where they're they're really really good at what they do, but also make it feel absolutely effortless and um, kind of relaxed. Um, well, so, yeah. They're not trying to be rushed. They're not trying to blast you with everything they can do at every given time. They're not only are they great players, but they're great writers and they, they're very sensitive to each other. What is better for the song may not be better for them as a player. Yeah, totally, totally. So yeah, for me, I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised having read that review um, that said it was awful and just 
based on the fact that I hadn't heard of the band. So I thought maybe that's because no one likes them. So no one talks about them. I was really pleasantly surprised. And I think people should hear this record. Um, I think Linus Skinner fans are going to love it because it's, you know, just even for the guitar solos alone, a lot lot of the time it has that feel. Sometimes you could be listening to the, I guess, the slightly lighter end of Linus Skinner's um, here in this album. So, So that's great. And I think they're strong songs. Um, yeah, and I think it also, it, it, and it's different from Linus Skinner. That's, I think that's the other point. It's not just um, the next Linus Skinner album, but not as good. It's a different feel. I think using Dale Krantz on vocals is great. Gives it a totally different feel. And um, yeah, and I think just focusing the sound in a slightly different way and not trying to be Skinner um, was a good move. Um, whilst retaining that really cool feel, you know, the really, the really nice bits of the southern rock, relaxed, bluesy groove that uh, Skinner had. So, yeah, that's that. That's me. I don't think it's a perfect album, but spin it. So, to be fair, to be to to come clean, I spun um, pronounced after listening to this yesterday. As a as a cleanser, as I as I as I texted Duncan to let him know that I was doing that, just to kind of give him a what kind of moment, and because not it wasn't the cleanser per se, but it was to listen to what actually was Leonard Skinner as well to give me more things to talk about. So I was just messing with you, I, although I did listen to it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah, when you sent that, I thought, uh-oh, is that because this album, the Rosington Collins album, is terrible and he needs to cleanse himself with some proper Leonard Skinner? Oh, but, there um, have been many times on this podcast where we have listened to something and I did have to cleanse right after. Like, real, like, um, like when we listened to Geezer. Oh, God. Oh, that one. Um, anyway. Lots the, of, aliens, lots of the aliens are coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for this for this album, I think you summed it up really well. It is it's a very good album. I think I liked it more than you did, which is fine. It's it's definitely not Skinnered, but it's 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 kind of like Leonard Skinnered wearing a mask a little bit. It's it's some of it's still there. It's not all there, and but it, it's a really fun, different way of them writing their music because they were st- it was still basically Leonard Skinner continuing. Dale Krantz, as I have gushed over and over on during this podcast, is my favorite part of this album. And absolutely, and I'm not a big vocals person, as I think anybody knows. I prefer guitar solos and, and riffs and that kind of thing. That's what I focus on. And even though those were there in abundance on the songs that she didn't sing, I kept wondering, where's Dale? And on the song she did sing, I kept thinking, sing more. So that really helped for me. As why this album is forgotten, I think, is just the timing of it. It came out at the, the changing of the decade when everything was going a different direction. When, you know, as we discussed in the beginning, disco was dying, classic rock was dying, new wave was coming in, synthy things were coming in, and then all of a sudden you've got this album by this band that had been out of the public consciousness for almost five years at this point and so yeah it's it's not necessarily going to go anywhere i will definitely say it is better than anything i have ever heard following this with the leonard skinnard name 
and you know spin it or bend it clearly spin it it is a great southern rock record it is a great leonard skinner record though not it it's not perfect it's not saying it's dark side of the moon here yes some definite production and engineering choice some different production and engineering choices could have been made to improve upon it but it's especially if you can find this out in the wild like i did you're gonna find it for five bucks and it's gonna be probably the best five bucks you spent at a thrift shop there you go yeah absolutely yeah definitely spin it um i think that's that's me i think i'm done i've got nothing else to say so i will tell everybody thank you very much for listening please rate review the show if you can subscribe on apple podcasts and all that good stuff and in the meantime i'm going to continue to try to get better and i'll talk to you all next week see you guys bye, bye.